Hey folks, welcome to Josh's Worst Nightmare Oddcast presented by Denver Horror Collective. I'm your host, author Josh Schlossberg, surveying the dark landscape of biological horror fiction. For this episode, we've got Andrew Adams. Andrew Adams, author of Symposium of the Reaper, is a horror fanatic who became fascinated with the genre through film. He's also a heavy metal music enthusiast, film fanatic, and lover of the occasional bourbon. Welcome to my nightmare, Andrew. Happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Well, on Josh's Worst Nightmare, I invite on horror authors to talk about an aspect of biological horror, which I define as living creatures and vital processes relevant to their writing. This episode, we're talking about handling of the dead. So basically different practices for dealing with the recently deceased. So Andrew, why why did this topic strike your fancy? Uh, I suppose just uh, death as a whole is sort of a morbid fascination. Um, the passing over and a lot of that came from, uh, I had a fascination with ancient Egypt as a child. And of course their uh, processes are well-documented, um, the canopic jars and the mummification and all of that. Yeah. And, well, let's let's explain some of that stuff because everybody doesn't necessarily know. And let's uh, yeah, let's get into some of the details just of of some of those things that you mentioned already. Yeah, fantastic. I mean, um, just ancient Egypt as a whole was always uh, a huge deal for me. Reading about it, the mummy movies, um, those were huge influences when I was a child, and just the sort of the fascination of the underworld and the passage there and removing organs for various reasons all of that played a huge part on my uh just fascination with this sort of dark world that we find entertainment in <laughs> yeah so the canoptic jars you said so basically they take organs out and i do remember something to do with removing the brain through the nose was that a myth i feel like i learned about that in school uh, yes they did and they actually threw the brain away because they considered it trash because <laughs> <laughs> all of the life force and meaning was in the other organs basically. yes yes so that uh that topic in general inspired a story of mine i'll be you know with a, a little bit of a twist but um just the the passing over aspect to me is so sort of mythical because we have no idea what happens mm -hmm. and of course on the physical side what we tend to do with those bodies is also a whole other topic yeah yeah it's it's weird because in a sense the obsession i would almost say with most religions but particularly the egyptian stuff it's how important the physical body is but they're also obviously very spiritual and so they believe in so much beyond the body but still this mortal casing becomes really important in terms of that passing over to the other world so it's 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 a strange dichotomy it sounds like yes and i think that's a bit of the obsession for a lot of people hmm 
you have the spiritual side of it, uh, what happens with our soul or spirit or however you want to quantify that. And then, of course, um, you know, we have countless horror movies about butchering people in various ways and dismembering people and um, whatever sort of hostile, uh, as in the movie, sort of realm that you want to find yourself in. Uh, all of that kind of falls under the same category. Yeah. Well, so with the Egyptian stuff, there's so much around that. I and mean, they have almost these guardians, uh, different gods that are hang hanging out with the dead. So what is it? Anubis, I believe. Uh, yes. Is he the dog headed one or is that someone else? Uh, yes, I believe so. Okay. Yeah. And something to do with so really being uh, concerned with the, the physical body. Then of course you have the tombs, the, the pyramids, which are the tombs of these pharaohs, basically, right? Like typically the quote important people got right. those to what to preserve their bodies for forevermore was the idea, I guess. Yes. So they would mummify the bodies and they would be without organs, of course, and rest there in this massive tomb for presumably all time. Right. Yeah. And so, of course, that's where we get all the mummy stuff and in horror movies and which is basically typically just some zombie wrapped in bandages it tends to be in the the old school movies basically right yeah and really in um in fancy terms i suppose that's what a mummy would be <laughs> yeah so and mummification that process of well they last a long time because it's typically dry out where that is so the decomposition process is slowed which i guess is i mean they did that on purpose too it wasn't just the climate right uh yes uh embalming fluid so the mummies did have embalming fluid yes as well. oh yes, interesting okay because yeah so that whole concept let's talk about that concept of embalming which i i find kind of gross and so it was several years ago there was a tour to a mausoleum that I went on because I thought it was just actually going into this. It's they call it the Tower of uh, I can't remember not, not the Tower of Souls. It's something a little less eerie than that. But uh, it was it's this large several story mausoleum in the cemetery where basically the the tombs in a sense I think are pretty much just where people's ashes are, and it's mm -hmm. kind of just like their drawers, but they're stone and you can't pull them out so it's it's kind of you know it's pretty it's interesting but the unfortunate part is i didn't realize we would be touring an active um what do they call it? mortuary too so they yeah. took us through into a place where there was an oven a large oven and it was still hot in there <laughs> from a recent burning and um which did not appeal to me i'm pretty you know i'm a horror author i i I watch horror movies, but this was a little much for me. And then we went in, there were all these coffins or caskets, sorry, like stacked up against the wall. And then there were these toilets. They were basically toilets <laughs> without lids. And it's where they would do some of the embalming stuff. So they would route, I guess, the blood into the toilets. And then, and yeah, that, that really creeped me out. <laughs> yeah, And <laughs> so, fair enough. Yeah. It's, it's a, I mean, to me, again, it's that, 
I don't want to say it's hypocritical, but it's like, okay, most of the religion stuff, it's like, you're so much more than your body. Don't worry about it. And then it's like, but we need to make this body last as long as we possibly can. The, the Christian tradition tends to be around the embalming, whereas the Jewish tradition, which I come from, not from a religious family, but there's still some practices. And typically the Jews, they, they get their dead in the ground as quick as possible. So they don't do the embalming. But right. then there's the, I guess it's Christian. It's probably a lot more than that too. But the, you want to embalm them because you're hanging around the body for a little while. And then there's the whole open casket thing, which, sorry, I'm, I'm not into that either. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a little intense. And, you know, us as horror fans and authors, uh, we kind of live in this world and uh, the so-called average person would do something like have an open casket, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's that I think that's what makes this so interesting in general is when we approach it for entertainment, it's fine. Right, right. And when when we're put in real life positions with these sorts of things, we're kind of repulsed by it. And I think that's why we're entertained by the subject matter. Yeah, you might be right, right. I mean, I accept death. Death is a part of nature. There's no life without death. It's kind of the silliest thing to be against, right? Like it's a thing that that happens mm -hmm. to everyone. It's all that stuff. But yeah, the the confronting it in real life and especially just like the handling of the physical form that no longer has that life source, you know, whatever, you, if you believe in souls or not, I don't know if I do, but there was something there that was the energy was there and then it's not. And that's yes. uh, a disturbing process, of course. It's heavy. Yeah. And it's very I, heavy. Right. And obviously we're not going to just talk about death. Like everyone knows death is a, <laughs> you know, a, a big deal or yeah. not a big deal or whatever. Uh, the, the thing I was thinking the other day was how, so Eastern philosophy, a lot of Buddhism, they don't see death yet as a, as a bad thing at all. Of course, Christianity and stuff like that is like, sometimes it's like, well, it's good. You're, you're going to heaven. Now you've left this veil of tears. You go to all the old cemeteries and that's what they all say. They're almost like, phew, we don't have to deal with this, this mm -hmm. stuff anymore. But Buddhism, because it, it, it doesn't seem to have as much of a, an obsession with the the death thing i don't think there can really be effective buddhist horror because a lot of horror is that fear of death and you take that away it's like what are you what are you afraid of anymore? i agree 100 percent. and as an author sometimes i think that myself it all kind of roots it's rooted in death it all circles around that's our biggest fear yeah um of course we can break it down in different ways but ultimately that's our survival instinct acting up correct yep and to me it's suffering is far worse than death that's my thing and that's kind of the buddhist thing too is that the suffering is the real issue but in terms of other tradition stuff uh i just have a couple notes of a couple things that occurred to me but so in the jewish tradition yeah jews don't embalm they're they're weird about some things like the the orthodox or more the hasidic like the super orthodox mm -hmm. you're not supposed to have tattoos because it mars your flesh and then you're supposedly not even able to be 
buried in the Orthodox cemetery, which is, you know, kind of to do with the body after death. And one of the more gory things, and, you know, these are real, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm exploiting it. It's, it's a reality <laughs> is that, so when people are blown up, so as happens sometimes in Israel with like suicide bombings, there sure. are rabbis, I believe, who, or there may be certain just people in the the synagogue or whatever who go out there and they collect all of the scraps of body because mm -hmm. they think it's important to bury which is weird in judaism too because there isn't it's, there's sort of a heaven but then they don't talk about it a lot it, it's but the idea is you need every scrap of the body and to me that just feels very uh almost like ocd like come on, come on. <laughs> yeah it's a bit um it is a bit obsessive um and it, had you not said that that was true, that could very well make for a great horror story. Yeah, well, I'm sure people have included and they may at some point. Uh, but uh, yeah, the other thing in Jewish horror, so there's something called a Shomer, which is in some of the religious stuff is somebody who watches the body for a little while. I don't remember mm -hmm. the specifics. And there was recently a movie a Jewish horror movie around that called the vigil. And mm -hmm. it is basically about that. And then there's some supernatural stuff that happens there, but there's, you know, it, something to do like with the wake, like, isn't, isn't the wake something to do with just like the body, not turning into a zombie or an Irish tradition. Do you know anything about that? Um, I, a little bit. I'm not Irish myself, but uh, yeah, it, there's something to do with keeping the casket open and making sure everything goes well <laughs> that's and, and you know again like i said that would be considered perfectly acceptable and or traditional i should say right. in certain cultures and other cultures are totally uh turned off by that sort of thing and that's what's fascinating about it to me yeah i mean an anthropologist would be able to lay out so many different death traditions and then there is also a lot of common ground, but yeah, th that's larger than the scope of this podcast to get into every detail, <laughs> but, yep. but I do know, you know, some off the top of my head also like in Hindu culture, the, there's the burning of the bodies mm -hmm. and they they'll put them sometimes into the river, which I mean, well, you can, you know, have your opinion about that one way or another, but there's that. And then of course the Viking funerals, which are similar, right? You send the body yes. out on a, to burn on a, which to me, that's what I've always, that seems the coolest. Yeah. If you're going to go out, that would be a good way to do it. Let's push a little boat out to sea. But one of the most disturbing ones that I've heard of, and I first read about it in a horror book called The Abominable by mm -hmm. Dan Simmons. So he wrote about this book is basically about climbing, I believe it's Mount Everest. And I, I don't want to give anything away from, from the book itself, but it's sure. there's a, there's some other elements besides just climbing Mount Everest. But they are in, I can't remember if it's Tibet or Nepal, mm. uh, and somebody dies, and they there is a some sort of Buddhist temple there. And they do something that's called the sky burial. Mm -hmm. And basically it's just, they leave. So no, they, they chop the body up into little pieces and including smashing the bones into powder as best they can. And then 
they have all of the vultures come down and eat all the pieces. So circle yeah. of life. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, in a, in a way, I mean, it makes perfect sense, but it is kind of grisly, right? Like it is oh, yeah. a grisly process. Yes, it is. And uh, which makes me think of, so in the, the ecological community, like talking about green burials, are you familiar with that concept? Uh, no, I'm not. I mean, it's basically just cutting out the middleman. <laughs> like it's basically mm. just your body just goes in a hole with a, a cloth over it. There's, there are different versions of it also that have like trees. And then there are even ones, this is in, I think in Asia, I could be wrong, where they actually have forests that grow. People are buried and then like trees will be planted over them. And it's a forest of basically uh, a forest <laughs> cemetery compost <laughs> well yeah yeah i really that's yeah it, it is uh it, it's a heavy topic and a lot of different interpretations worldwide and i'm not a particularly religious person myself uh that's i just think everybody else's interpretation of it is inspiring absolutely and it's and, just a way all right sorry go keep going Oh, no, I was just going to say it's something to see from every perspective and to kind of form an opinion based on all of them. Yeah. Well, the one thing that is a fact is that modern cultures divorce themselves or ourselves more from death, right? From mm -hmm. that process of handling the body. And frankly, I I can't say that I oppose that I, I don't know where i stand i mean it's not not my favorite thing uh so no. i what do you think do you think ultimately it is a positive thing that you know back in the day it would be like the grandmother dies and then mm -hmm. it's the whole family is handling the body and cleaning it and doing whatever and now it's you send it off to the mortician or whatever what's your take on that um i don't particularly handle biological things very well myself. Mm -hmm. um, that's that's never been my strong suit. So for me, I'm totally fine with other people taking care of that. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a lot of it's tradition and closure. Mm. And certain people deal with grief in different ways, of course. And some people, um, for instance, some people like to hang out in cemeteries and visit their loved ones. Yep. And other people will never set foot in it for fear of who knows. And it's, uh, you know, certain cultures celebrate that different way. Of course, uh, the Day of the Dead is a huge right. thing in California. Yep. And yeah, it, it is just all encompassing. It gives me so many different um, viewpoints. Um, like I said, I myself don't handle things like that well. <laughs> yeah. Um, which again might sound ironic for some writing stories about horrific things, but uh I don't particularly like things uh in real life, like you said about visiting the mausoleum. Yeah. When you see it in front of you, it's a totally different experience than 
creating a story to scare someone or to gross someone out. And I think that's our fascination with the genre as a whole. Yeah. I mean, I must think sometimes I write about this stuff to distance myself from it or something, mm -hmm. but it's, yeah, the stone, uh, the stones themselves don't freak me out. Right. But like then going in and seeing these little embalming toilets, that was a little much. <laughs> yeah. That, that is. Yeah. And you know, your imagination as an author starts to put pieces together. Yeah. Well, I didn't need to have much imagination in there <laughs> because it was yep. pretty graphic. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, you know, that's whether it's uh, whatever genre of horror it is, whether it's a movie or a book, we are disgusted by it. And also we can't turn away from it. Yeah. Well, yeah, you brought up a, the point about some people liking to see the body for a kind of closure. And personally, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't get that. I, I swear that's got something to do with zombies. Like what else? <laughs> I want to make sure it's not a zombie, right? Like that's what they're doing. Yeah. And it also connects the missing pieces in the brain of, okay, that really happened. That okay. person is no longer here. And part of the passing on topic that we're talking about is, you know, the, the spirit is gone and we can't see that. Um, we know it's gone internally, but as far as what happens to the body, that's up to the each culture. Yeah. Yeah. Well, mentioning the day of the dead. So in Mexican mm -hmm. culture, yeah, it's celebratory. It's a, mm -hmm. it's a celebration. They dress up and they're not like, yeah, I'm glad you're dead. You know, it's, it's, it's a, this is part of life. I think that is, um, I would say that's a, it feels more healthy in a way. Uh, it's definitely closer to the natural processes i think the irish you know what like an irish wake right like everyone mm -hmm. it's supposed to be celebratory now the jewish tradition so there's sitting shiva which is basically you do for a certain number of days where you're basically in mourning and mm -hmm. certain things there are certain customs like tearing your clothes like not off like you're just supposed to rip part of your garment it's kind of like a uh just symbolic of of the morning and then you cover the mirrors because you're not you know i used to think oh it's something to do with ghosts no it's just because you're not supposed to be vain you're not supposed to be thinking about your appearance and one thing i i noticed is so there's also you're not supposed to play music in the jewish tradition uh, around funeral stuff like right. that's almost considered like tacky like it's music is supposed to be a celebration and so don't do that and, and my, i don't quite agree with that because music to me is you know, like I could, even though I'm not Christian, I can appreciate that somber organ. And uh, I, I think that's a way of coping, but, mm -hmm. you know, so I'm not religiously Jewish, but that definitely is the Jewish, Jewish tradition in regards to that. But for me, cemetery is like, I don't like the recent cemetery, like where there's people still being buried, where you can see the yeah. ground disturbed, <laughs> but the old cemeteries, I, I love those places. Yeah. And a lot of it can be a connection to the past or feeling spiritually connected to the past or, you know, one of my favorite sayings in general is memento mori, of course, Latin for remember you will die. Mm -hmm. And that's not supposed to be a scary thing. That's supposed to be celebrate your life while you still have it. Yeah. I, I think for a lot of people, part of that is connecting with 
the dead as a reminder that we are still alive. Mm-hmm. So that's, uh, again, a lot of it is very morbid and, um, but it comes from a good place for a lot of people and yeah. trying to cope with this massive dark existence bringing breathing down our neck all the time is that we're on limited time <laughs> that's that's uh the true thing for every living creature yeah exactly and i think in some of the old cemeteries because the death is more distant like in yes. vermont where i used to live i think there's some of the most beautiful cemeteries and they're very old stones you know mm-hmm. even a lot of 1800s but sometimes even back to 1700s and they're overgrown that just feels more it's like it's okay right Mm -hmm. whereas the more recent version it's kind of like uh somebody was talking it might have been ray bradbury he wrote a story about basically these mummies in mexico that they kind of stand up against the walls i guess you can go visit those and he wrote a very scary short story about his experiences and then he wrote us you know a story about it and he's talking about how how creepy it is to see those mummy like they're not mummies but they're basically mummified corpses because they're closer to death so you can sort of trace it versus if it's just the bones like the bones aren't as scary because mm-hmm. i'm you know you look at yourself in the mirror and you're like you don't really see bones so you see that but you see that halfway decomposed thing that's more frightening than that separated by time component mm-hmm. Or if you were to see one of your bones now, you would probably freak out for whatever reason. Yeah. Well, that's definitely an unpleasant thing. Yeah. That's one yeah. of the worst things. Like when you see like those compound fractures in the oh, bone, yeah. even though technically, I mean, they are a big deal, but they're also not like we, we, we can fix those pretty easily, but mm-hmm. yeah, seeing your bones is not pleasant, which some people say like your teeth are just your bones sticking out, which sure quite really true but it kind (laughs) of is a little bit (laughs) different than a leg bone sticking out i suppose yeah but yeah the victorian folks used to picnic in cemeteries kind of more like like the mexican day of the dead Mm -hmm. similar similar vibe even in stuffy victorian times like they weren't they were a lot more uptight victorian like that's a that's a pretty uptight culture but still they would have picnics and my grandmother used to take me to the local cemetery. It was a huge cemetery by the river and there were ponds and we would go there to feed the ducks. Like it was a recreational activity and I liked it. I never thought anything weird about it. Yeah. Um, understood. You know, some of the older ones, it more time has passed. It doesn't hit quite so close to home and you know, part of it, if you see a, a gravestone, someone was born in the 1800s, 1700s, you feel like that's acceptable. Yeah. Um, if you see a 19 or, God forbid, a 2000 in front of it, uh, that probably doesn't feel quite so good. <laughs> yeah. Again, it's like having that filter, that separation. Like we want to, we want to deal with it, and that's, I think, what some of us horror authors are doing, but. We don't want to make it too close to home. Like Stephen King's, I think is frankly one of my favorite one of his books, but also the most disturbing is Pet Cemetery because it's, I mean, it's that fresh death of a kid. Like that's, 
which I almost feel like sometimes it's like cheating. It's like, well, yeah, of course that's going to be upsetting. That's like an easy yeah. thing to freak out about. But yeah, that fresh death versus like something that is more distant. Uh, there's a, yeah. So that, so I think with horror, maybe we're circling around the issue. I mean, we're talking clearly about death, but we've got that separation and maybe that helps us confront it. I don't know. Yeah, I think especially, you know, your specialty in writing, a lot of that would also hit home because you don't want something bad to happen to you, mm. um, whatever that may be, including dying, but you wouldn't want your arm missing all of a sudden for no reason. Uh, a movie I was watching recently was uh, Tusk. Oh, I haven't seen that, but I've I've looked at that. That seems interesting. It's an interesting movie uh, by Kevin Smith, of course. And they uh, transform somebody into a walrus. Cool. <laughs> of course, that would be horrifying if you didn't want that to happen to you. <laughs> and <laughs> so, you know, it's coming from the same place, of course, that uh, something that you weren't ready for, something you didn't ask for happening to you against your will that's a major fear for a lot of people it is and of uh, course i'm sorry but i was just gonna say of course being transformed into a walrus probably doesn't happen very often well we don't know that for a fact <laughs> yeah yeah well that i suppose could be some culture's way of dealing and maybe maybe uh, the transformation into some sort of other form i mean in a sense that's like a reincarnation so maybe that's not so bad anyway yeah I'll, i guess it all depends on uh, perspective as we were talking before it's all perspective it is all perspective well on that note andrew tell us what you might be working on right now and where can folks find your work Okay, um, I a couple months ago put out my first short story collection, Symposium of the Reaper, as you said, and I've recently finished the second volume. Uh, that will be out in the next six months, let's say. And then uh, you can find that on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and various other websites that sell books, pretty much anywhere that sells books symposium of the reaper will be there excellent well awesome congrats with the second book there and thanks so much for coming into my nightmare thank you it was a good conversation great thanks for taking a trip with me through josh's worst nightmare where i josh schlossberg survey the dark landscape of biological horror fiction presented by denver horror collective if you don't want to miss any of the great and sometimes disturbing weekly episodes I've got planned for you, be sure to subscribe to Josh's Worst Nightmare on a variety of podcast platforms. You can also sign up for Josh's Worst Nightmare e-newsletter at joshsworstnightmare.com where I share a whole squirming mess of bio-horror, including my infamous haiku horror reviews and my latest dark scribblings. Speaking of which, if you haven't already picked up a copy of my cosmic biological folk horror novella, Moline, from D&T Publishing, you can find a copy of the paperback, hardcover, or ebook at Amazon, 
godless.com or joshesworstnightmare.com. Yours darkly, Josh Schlossberg.